This is Archive Atlanta, episode 160, Bicycle Messengers. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. So this week's mini episode is about bicycle messengers, a topic that came from Atlanta Courier Collective, who I will talk about at the end. Um, and it began with just sending some articles and some history nerd banter. And then I ended up kind of falling into the rabbit hole of this very niche, but very fascinating history. From the start, messengers were often male, and before child labor laws, they were very, very young. And from the beginning, there was definitely a counterculture attitude, I guess, to this. And I've learned that this has kind of traveled into the modern day as well. So I hope you enjoy this little uh, snippet into Atlanta's past. If you haven't listened to episode 76 yet, you should do that. It's one of my favorites. It's all about Atlanta's bicycle history. But to give you a little refresher, it was about 1863 when the first pedal bicycle hit the scene and it was made of solid wrought iron and it was often called the bone shaker. In 1869, Atlanta, the first Velocipede Club, that was the early name for a bicycle, um, was organized. And although we know very little about it, there were about 200 cyclists in the city at the time, and the club only admitted, quote unquote, men of weight and standing. That's because you had to be very physically strong to ride these early bicycles. By the 1880s, the development of a new drivetrain led to what was called a safety bicycle, which looks a lot like what we see today. And this allowed women and less physically capable people to ride a bike. This also made them very easy to use for bicycle messaging. And scholars are not exactly sure when bicycles were first used to deliver messages. Um, there's a reference in an 1884 New York Times article. And this is also the same year that the Western Union um, Telegraph Company employs bicycle messengers to deliver their telegrams. And they were, of course, one of the biggest employers. Around 1894, there is the Pullman strike, which happened when 250,000 American Railway Union members went on strike across 27 states, essentially halting all rail traffic. And so in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, it was cut off from mail and communication. And so there was a man named Arthur Banta who lived in Fresno. He owned Victor Cyclery, and he organized a bicycle mail relay. Uh, the distance from San Francisco to Fresno was 210 miles, and they would cover it with eight relays, and it would cost 25 cents to send a package. So what about Atlanta? In September of 1893, local newspapers announced that Atlanta was going to be, quote, the first city in the U.S. to put the bicycle to practical use, end quote. That is Atlanta Marketing 101. Uh, two enterprising young men who remain unnamed opened the Bicycle Messenger Service Company on North Prior Street. With the promise of only expert cyclists hired and low rates, the company does appear to be the first bike messenger uh, company in history. By January of 1894, the Chalfont Cycle Company um, opened on Patriot Street and they purchased the Bicycle Messenger Service. So just months um, in the same year, I found mention of a hasty bicycle messenger company. Um, and that's because one of their messenger boys took out a lien against the company for unpaid wages. 
And now it's a great time to talk about bike messengers' role in the broader labor movement. Um, I've talked about child labor in episodes before, but we did not pass the Fair Labor Standards Act until 1938. And so before that, child labor was rampant in the U.S. Georgia had one of the most lax child labor restrictions, allowing those as young as 10 years old to work. So have you ever seen those black and white historical photos of bike messengers from the 1890s? I'll probably post one on social media. You'll notice that they're little boys, and Atlanta was no different. In March of 1896, five bike messenger boys were arrested for robbing a store in Grant Park after getting off their midnight shift. They all worked for an unnamed company that was on East Hunter Street. And aside from the juvenile delinquency stories, there were also a lot of speed issues. Um, In July of that year, Judge Andy Calhoun ruled that messengers must follow the speed rules of other riders, which was six miles an hour in the city and 10 miles an hour outside of the city. Messenger shop owners were outraged, expressing that these restrictions could cripple the industry. They're like, hey, hey, we, we're employed by telegram companies and doctors and druggists, and it, things have to be delivered quickly. Shortly after the law passed, Frank Spencer, who worked for the Southern Messenger Service, was arrested on Peachtree Street um, by a police officer. He was going 20 miles an hour, which deemed him a scorcher. And that was the Victorian term for someone who cycles really, really fast. The manager of the shop actually hired an attorney um, to fight the case to kind of establish a precedent. In the spring of 1897, Joel Hurt, developer and resident of Inman Park, had Leo Averett arrested for picking these French imported flowers in Inman Park. So I guess this was a continuing problem and Hurt just got mad. And so poor Leo, he is the only son of a widowed mother. And while he is in court for this, his bicycle is actually stolen from the police barracks. Just a month later, the city police board cracked down on bells. So Bike accidents were a really big thing across the country. They were both a danger to the boys riding and to pedestrians. Um, From 1895 to 1940, there's a study done like cities across the country had hundreds of court cases involving bicycle messengers. Atlanta's police board passed an ordinance requiring each messenger boy to have a bell on his bike. Um, You're supposed to use it at, I think, intersections and other specific rules. And so they pass this. And then at 4 p.m. that day, they do like a mass arrest. They just start arresting anybody that didn't have a bell or who wasn't ringing their bell properly. And so quickly, all these kids caught on. And then, for lack of a better term, they're just being huge (laughs) a-holes. They, they go home, they grab cowbells, dinner bells, and they just start ringing them. And so the police decide that this uh, superfluous ringing is considered disorderly conduct. And so they've started arresting several people for that and charging them with, uh, with that instead of not having a bell. Arrests were, of course, not the only reason couriers made the news. Um, Like I said earlier, it's normally speed. So in the summer of 1899, there was a kid named Claude Gordon. He was a 12-year-old boy, and he made the papers because he made it from Atlanta to Stone Mountain, which was a distance of 32 miles, in two hours and 38 minutes. And this counted stopping, and this counted a very long wait for an answer at his delivery. So the story was, if I remember correctly, there was somebody who was in jail that had to get a message to his parents in Stone Mountain. Um, so Claude rode the rail all the way out there, and he told a reporter he was interviewed in the paper because it was such a big deal. He'd only been a messenger for a couple months. 
Um, and he told reporters that he worked to make extra money for his family and that on this trip to Stone Mountain, he made a dollar and 33 cents. The Messengers of Atlanta also work to advance labor causes here, um, sometimes in a little more unique ways. Uh, there was a story from 1901 where all of the messenger boys in Bird's shop did not like it wasn't very clear. I don't know if they didn't like what the manager was asking them to. There was a small fight that broke out among the boys. But when the manager called the police, that was unacceptable. So in retaliation, 10 young employees went on strike. Um, there were strict instructions that no messenger would answer calls or they would quote unquote get a whooping. And this kind of leads us into the discussion of race because it's Atlanta, there's always a racial layer. The year following this incident, the same manager, Bird, hires his first black messenger boys. And the story from the owner's side is like, I had this group of white kids, they were stealing packages, um, they were not completing deliveries, they were stealing money sometimes. So he fired them and he was, you know, quote unquote, forced into hiring African-American messengers. And a couple other companies had also gone this same route. So in retaliation, the fired boys broke into the bike shop. They burned all of the books, like the business books, and they destroyed the bikes. Unsurprisingly, black messengers were also penalized more severely. And we see that in the papers when in 1906, um, a boy named Waddell Hill, who was working for Green Messenger, is sent to the stockade for running into somebody. Again, accidents were very common. He spent 30 days in jail for hitting someone. Now, by 1911, Western Union in Atlanta had 82, I think it was, 82 total bike messengers, and 30 of them were black. So it seems like there was at least some progress made in that realm. I haven't quite talked about what bicycle messengers delivered. Um, there is a quote from a 1910 paper that I found. And so even though this wasn't Atlanta, um, this was a quote from a boy in 1910, and I, I found it really hilarious. So he says, quote, you get calls to buy hats for men and women in the whorehouses. They send you out with notes and telegrams. They get chop suey and regular meals, cigarettes, drinks, clothing, and groceries. I have been sent out for corsets and once for a pair of shoes. I have lots of calls for women's drawers, corset covers, I have gone for medicine and doctors and got lots of cocaine for them when the sale was open, end quote. Now, I'm sure Atlanta was not that exciting, but we can pretend it was. But really, doctors used um, couriers, telegrams, businesses. You have to remember a time, you know, before email, before even telephones were that prevalent. So you had to get messages to people. Before I go, I do want to tell you about Atlanta's first messenger girl. In 1917, World War I brought a shortage of available men and boys to work, and so the Postal Telegraph Company hired Miss Johnny Pearl Pruitt, who lived on McDaniel Street, and her job was to carry messages from the Georgia Trust Company building to the Hurt Building. And while she did not ride a bike doing this, I did want to give her a shout out for being a pioneer. So there you have it, the story of bicycle messengers. Uh, I'm going to link to the Atlanta Courier Collective in the show notes. Um, I talked to him. He was, I really, should, in hindsight, should have um, interviewed them to give you guys kind of the modern take and some more history on this because it's really a fascinating world. And Atlanta isn't so much known as, I think, as a bike messenger city in comparison to like New York. Um, but the account has some history and just some great photos of the people that are doing this still today in Atlanta because it is very much an industry. 
Thank you everyone for listening. Remember to leave a rating and or a review and you can visit the Patreon link in the show notes to support the podcast. Hope everyone has a great weekend and I'll talk to you next week.